0: Lord, we want to be blessed by your word.
1: And Lord, we just ask you to to, uh, anoint Byron in the name of Jesus. I wanted to share one thing real fast. I was in Ohio last week, and uh, the Lord, I knew the Lord wanted to bring, give me some help. Back it off, son. Thank you. Um, I knew the Lord wanted to bring his revival into this area. Now, you've got to understand where I was at. It's the biggest Amish community in the world. And uh, uh, so I wanted to take my shofar up there and blow it. And everybody that goes to this church knows I like to blow the shofar. And, and, but I didn't have faith to do it around people. I wanted to go into a barn somewhere and hide and blow it, you know, because oh, you didn't want to shake these people up, well, God had different ideas. Uh, I took it to a meeting Wednesday night, and uh, and I took it and I hid it, <laughs> and I stuck it underneath the pew, and uh, okay. and I left it there. And a guy came in late that was with us, and uh, when the when the meeting was over, he said, "Chuck, what's that?" Uh, and I pulled it out and I showed it to him, and he said, "What is that?" And I said, "It's a it's a horn, you know, it's it's from Israel." And uh, and uh, the guy, one of the elders, in the, was right behind me. He said, "Blow it, Chuck." And I'm in a Mennonite church, and it was full; nobody had left yet. I said, "Noah," his name's Noah. That's really a Amish name, you know, Noah. And and by the way. A German pronunciation of Noah is Noe. And that's something. He said, Blow it, Chuck. And I said, Listen, I'm going to scare these people if I do this. <laughs> he said, Blow it, Chuck. Well, I had permission. And I lifted that thing up and started blowing. And the poor fellow that was sitting beside me. He wanted to reach up and put out the sound, you know. He hadn't been in church in a while, much less to listen to this. But I think God is so awesome. That he, backing off a little, Eddie, that uh, he had me blowing it in the church to announce that he was coming to that community to really bring revival in that community. Isn't that that awesome? He tricked me. I didn't have faith. I snuck it in there and stuck it under the pew, you know, so nobody would see it. And you know, I wouldn't try. I tried to keep it from becoming a, commo- a commotion, and I just wanted to share that with you that that God is really an awesome God, and He loves His people, and He wants to reach in to people that are least likely that you would think would be open to Pentecostal stuff, and start pouring His Spirit out in the last days.
0: And God does like to cause a commotion. So when you get in a commotion, you can blame it on God. He doesn't mind taking the blame. Isn't that right? Okay, question. How many in here are being led by the Holy Spirit? Raise your hand. Okay, that's good. How many, how do you know you're being led by the Holy Spirit? How do you know? Oh, hey, last week we, I started, Uh, In Romans 8, I said there were seven things in Romans 8 that would tell us, give us some indications. In other words, if you're being led by the Holy Spirit, you will be led into these seven things at some point in time. Okay? Instead of maybe we're led by our own ideals, uh, maybe we're led by what we understand the Bible to say. You know, which may not be right. You ever thought about that? (laughs) What we understand the Bible to say may not necessarily be right. Uh, Or we could be led by demons. (laughs) There's demons out there. Uh, So we need to know uh, what the truth is about being led by the Holy Spirit. So last week I gave you two. One was peace, remember? And I talked about being led by the Spirit is peace, not necessarily peace out here, but peace in here. Okay? In other words, when you obey the God, when you obey that peace, that peace may lead you into a storm. Everything around you may be stormy, it may be a mess around you. That doesn't mean it's not God. It's what's inside, the peace inside. Remember Jesus spoke to the to the sea and said, Peace be still. Because he was at peace in that boat when that boat was in that storm. He was there's peace in him. And that's what we're talking about. Peace in you, not necessarily oh, making everybody happy and you know, all that. That's that don't work. Trust me, it doesn't. You can't keep make everybody happy. You can't make every circumstance happy. You cannot make everybody do what they're supposed to do. So that was the first one. The second one was, and this was in Romans, I think, 1 through 6 is where you get that. Romans 8, 1 through 6. The next one has to do with uh, God. The Holy Spirit will lead you into purity. In other words, the, the 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 Spirit of God is going to take issue with anything that feeds carnality in your life. He's just is not going to sit back and put up with it. He's going to fight you over it. He's going to deal with you over it. And He will allow you to get into situations where there's pressure and there's difficulty, there's heat for the thing that's in your heart to rise up. And what we want to see rise up in our heart is not uh, religion. Uh, it, we don't want to see uh, the, the ways of this world rise up, but we want to see the kingdom of God rise up in our hearts when we're under, under the gun. So He will lead us into a life of purity. He puts There's pressure put on us um, to enable people to, um, you know, for the thing that's in them to come out. And sometimes it takes pressure. So there's two things for you as a Christian to know that you're being led by the Spirit. And so we're going to go on for the, the third one. Uh, let's read Romans 8, verse 15 through 17. Everybody with me? Romans 8, verse 15 through 17. It says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. Uh, The third thing out of Romans 8 about being led by the Spirit is the Holy Spirit will lead you into a life of passion for God. He will lead you into a life of passion for God. It says there's a cry, okay? Um, it says that in verse 15, There's a, we cry out, okay? It didn't say we ask out or we think out. There's a cry that emerges from the heart of a person that's being led by the Spirit. And that cry is for relationship that cry is for communion with God. It's, it goes beyond than, than beyond just making request of God in prayer. Okay, this, we're not talking about just making requests of God because you know, and, and that's a godly thing to do. Everybody does it. I'm sure everybody makes requests of God in prayer. But even believe unbelievers can make re- make requests to God in prayer. This is not talking about that kind of prayer. This is talking about something beyond that. In other words, here's a request. Okay, I can make. Will you give me something to eat? That's a request. That's a legitimate request. But this is going beyond that. It's talking about something like this. Would you like to... Will you eat with me? Will you come in fellowship with me? Will you come and, and be with me? That's what the Holy Spirit will do in your life. He will put that cry... He will put that desire in you for communion with God, to know God, to be close to God. I remember one time... When we first came to this church, and we were having our Wednesday night service, all seven of us, <laughs> sitting around a little circle, and we were worshiping the Lord. And there was a man there, and after we had worshiped the Lord some. And this man was very truthful and very transparent in his feelings. He was very frustrated with us. <laughs> and this is what he said, I just really don't understand why you're doing what you're doing. How, you know, I just don't feel what you feel. You know, just lifting your hands and really worshiping God and saying these wonderful things to God. I don't have that in my life. And it was a golden moment. That I guess I missed. you know, Because that is what the Holy Spirit will do in your life. He will put that in your life. He will put that desire in you. To want to be close to God. Now, I'm not talking about a style of worship at all here. I'm talking about a hunger in your heart. Where you really, because it says, the Holy Spirit will pour God's love into your heart. That's where it comes from. That's where that passion comes from. So if we're being led by the Spirit, He is going to lead us into that. And when we see people who are cold-hearted towards God, I'm going to just say this. You're not being led by the Spirit. You're not being, and Some sooner or later, your emotions will be touched. Your emotions will be touched. You know, we're just, you know, we're, we, we're made up, we have emotions, and the Spirit will touch our emotions because God gave us emotions to use. And, and one of the greatest uses, and I believe the, the most important use, is that use of loving God and crying out to God. And that is a sure sign that a person's being led by the Holy Spirit. When, and you can be emotional all day apart from the Spirit of God. I mean, I know some real emotional, unsaved people. <laughs> you make them mad, and you'll find out how emotional they are. You know what I'm saying? I know some unsaved people that are, have a lot of passion in them about things. But a passion for God, that's what we're talking about here. The Holy Spirit will lead you into that passion for God. I want to ask, you know, as, we're, as I'm sharing these things, I want you to ask yourself, do you really have that in your heart? Do you, do you really have it? Because really, maybe God maybe be to speak to you this morning about those kinds of things. So that's that's number three. Number four, verse 18. This one you will love. You should have loved that one. That one was a good one. The first one was good about being in peace. The second one about being pure. That can be scary. Uh, that number three is good. Number four. For I consider that what? The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Okay. Number four, the Holy Spirit will lead you into... uh, Maybe I'm going to try to soften it up for you and say difficulty. Okay, but let's just get right down to it. The Holy Spirit will lead you into suffering. Okay, now that's just the truth. And we have did everything in the world in the church to try to avoid that one. Haven't you? (laughs) I have tried to confess it away. I've tried to explain it away. I have tried to pray it away. But you just... Can cannot do that. So stop doing it. You probably won't, because I probably tell you the truth if I haven't. But it really is true. God loves a fight. He loves to fight. And He sees stuff He doesn't like. He will go pick a fight over it. The problem is, is He will throw your carcass right in the middle of that fight, whether you want to be or not. And it's the truth. He puts you in situations that's going to cause suffering. Everybody say suffering. Okay? And don't be dragging me into your suffering. <laughs> don't drag me into your fight. Somebody was talking to me recently about this thing that we going through, and I was thinking, I hope you ain't want me to get involved in it. <laughs> i got enough of my own stuff. i got enough of my own fight. So if you're not in a fight and you hear somebody else is, and pray for them, but don't wish to be in it. You know what I'm saying? But this is the truth. It, it talks about... Now listen, it, it gives two words. It gives suffering and glory. Okay? Suffering and glory. There is a connection between suffering and glory. This is the truth. This is what the Bible teaches. I want you to turn over to Second Corinthians. Hold your place there in Romans. I want to read read this one verse in Second Corinthians and just, just say just a little bit about this whole glory issue. Um, because we have this concept of glory that sort of... Partial concept. We have a concept of, of glory being, you know, the wonderful, weighty presence of God. You, you know what I'm saying? You were in a, in a church service and it was glorious. You know, glory. You know, it's a song. It's a word to shout out in the moment. You feel God in a, such a wonderful way. In the Old Testament, it says the glory of the Lord came in the temple. The priests couldn't even stand before the Lord. They just fell over, you know, just slammed to the floor or fell in their faces or however it was. That's the glory. That's what we want, Lord. Please give us the glory. We want the glory. Moses saw God and His face was shining with glory. You know, that's that's how we think about glory, right? If you've got to write, you are know, if, if you're just a normal Christian, that you should think about it like that. Because if you think about this other part in the Bible, it's not so fun. You know what I'm saying? There's this other side of glory. If you look at people in the Bible who experienced God's glory, there was something else in their life called affliction. It's, you know, it's suffering. It's there. It's in the Bible. It's there for us as Christians. God will take you and make you suffer, but He's not wanting you to suffer just for the sake of suffering. He wants you to suffer so you can enter into something glorious. Moses suffered. There was a dead Egyptian. There was a Pharaoh wanting to kill him. There was people rejecting him before the glory came. Then there was the glory. We forget he was rejected by his nation. We forget it. We just look at, oh, man, he was up there of God. Just saw his hindquarters, it's, you know, but we forget. Now, this is what it says. Now, I'm telling you, this is what the Bible says. This is the truth. 2 Corinthians four seventeen. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, that's what we got to get, it's just a moment, is working for us. Everybody say, working for us. Working for us. A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. See, there's this weight. I'm telling you something. Glory has weight. You don't think Moses didn't feel the weight of glory on him? I'm not talking about just that moment his face was shining. I'm talking about that moment he was looking back and saw a million people that he had to get across the desert. You don't think there's a weight to that? There's a weight to it. There's a weight to glory. There's a weight to success, in other words. If God is going to bless your life, enrich your life, make something of your life... Give you something. It, there's a weight to it. Well, there's a weight to affliction. That's what it says. A light of, it says it's light compared to the glory. You may not think it's light. I personally don't think affliction's light when I'm going through it. In fact, I, I can't take it no more. This thing's too heavy. It's just too heavy. I can't do it. I just can't do it no more, Lord. It's just too heavy. It's wearing me down. But there's, the Bible says that's light. There's something greater and weightier. And you're not going to be able to bear the greater and weightier until you work out the lightweight. And the white lightweight is affliction. The Bible says, "From glory to glory." All right, here's the key: you can't get wrapped up on the affliction. I was telling recently, I was trying to encourage another pastor, and I said, "Well, you know," he was talking about how this had this great move of God in his church, and then all of a sudden everything went to hell in a handbasket. That's what he said. I said, well, yeah, you know, what you're doing is you're on that bridge. It says glory to glory. The the two is that, you you know, you go from glory to affliction to glory. I said, now you're on that, in that two place. That's your bridge. You've got to get across that bridge. He said, brother, my bridge is on fire. It's fixing to burn out from under me. Well, I said, I don't know what you do about then. But the Bible, you know, that two... You know, it works in us. That's the place, that little place, from glory. Then there's this bridge, and the bridge is affliction to go to another greater weight of glory. The problem is we get stuck on the bridge and start going around in circles. Ask the children of Israel. They spent 40 years on the bridge. 40 years on the bridge. They were supposed to enter into the Promised Land. But they spent too long there. We See, we put our focus on the affliction. You hear what I'm saying to you? We've got to get across the bridge. And how you behave on that bridge from glory to that little word T.O., from faith to T.O., that determines how long you're going to suffer. If you murmur and complain, your days are going to be elongated on the bridge between affliction to glory. You, hear, you understand me? And, and so the Holy Spirit leads us into difficulties, into affliction into our lives. But He doesn't lead us there to leave us there. He leads us there because He's saying, look, yeah, yes, man, that was great. God did so much in your life. It was wonderful. Your business was blessed. You were making a lot of money. Whatever it is in your situation, apply it. You were prospering on your job. Your family was wonderful. Your children were obedient. Your church was great. And now, all of a sudden, it's different. It's bad. It's hard. It's hard. It's because He wants to take you to a higher level of glory, to something greater. But we get halfway over the bridge and we think, whoa, i, I, yeah, I got to get back to the glory. i got to get back there. But He's saying, no. Oh, you know what about that bridge? I found out about that bridge. This is how this bridge works. You start heading over this bridge and you realize you're on the bridge and the glory was back there and suddenly you're in affliction. You don't see any glory up there. You turn around and start walking, him, but that bridge is disappearing behind you. It really is. There's nowhere to go. You can't go back. You try to go back and you realize you're going to step into an abyss. You know, so a lot of people freeze there because they get scared of, they're scared of heights. I'm telling you, this is the way it works. I'm an expert on this. I know about bridges. I've spent many, many years of my life on these bridges of affliction. So God wants to get us into something glorious, I believe. That's why you see moves of God that come like a wave that comes in and then it recedes. And everybody blames somebody when it recedes. You know, you did something wrong, you know, to mess up what God was doing. And Well, no, it really wasn't. God just said, yeah, that was great, but I got something greater. God has something greater for the church in America than He had, you know, when God was, you know, like Pensacola and Toronto and all that everybody loved. Maybe you didn't, but a lot of people did, so... Whatever you loved when God was moving, whatever it was, God's got something greater. So He had to bring you out of that onto the bridge. I love my other church better than I love this church. It was better. You know? I had a person tell me, I want my old church back. <laughs> and I said, I don't, I can't, you know, that old church ain't nowhere to be found. They were talking about this church. they have been here a long time. I don't know how to get that old church back. I've wanted it back. You know, I want, you know, I wanted that, but I can't do anything about that. You want your old church back, you can't go back in history and get it. It's not there. Remember this movie we saw one time? These guys somehow was on this jet plane, landed at this airport, and they went into uh, history. They went back in time. But there was nothing there. It was all fake, you know. They, the Coke cans were fake. Everything was fake there, and it was. they kept hearing these noises. It was disappearing, and they had to get out of there, you know, before it all disappeared, and they got lost in history. We we can't go back. We have to go forth from glory to glory. Let me just say, you know, what you thought was so wonderful yesterday is not there anymore. No it doesn't exist. I'm sorry it doesn't. I'm like you. I wish it did on some day. So, that's the truth about that. That's the truth about that. And... Uh, let me just read this one other scripture to you, just a little bit different on the difficulty. It says, uh, this is what Paul said, 1 Thessalonians two eighteen. Therefore we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again. But Satan hindered us. Even I, Paul. Gosh, if Satan could hinder Paul, we are going to have setbacks because we have an enemy who doesn't like what we're doing? Always, if we're doing what God, God's will, He's going to fight you tooth and nail. And if He could hinder Paul the Apostle, who was the man, right? It's, you know, Jesus was the ultimate man, but Paul was, you know, a pretty good the man. You know, I wouldn't want to go toe to toe with him. Then Becky was talking about yesterday. He wrote, he wrote a letter. He said, "I've turned so and so over to Satan." Can you imagine writing a letter and doing that? <laughs> Bold, yep. I'm turning you over to Satan, and I'm writing everybody and telling them about it. <laughs> Sounds pretty radical when you think about what he did. He didn't hide it. He didn't sit and pray, Lord, get that guy. You know, let, let the enemy have, have him. Paul declared boldly, I'm turning you over to Satan, pal. You've had it. I'm writing it. I'm telling everybody in the world about it, too. Because everybody's going to see you get, you know, sifted because something the guy wasn't doing something. Evidently, he was doing it pretty bad. So Paul was a pretty, pretty powerful guy. If he can make decisions like that. So, Satan hindered Paul. That's what I'm saying. You think Satan's not going to hinder you? You think we're not going to have setbacks? You think you're not going to have disappointments? You think things are not going to work out always? And it ain't necessarily God. Lots of times the enemy will do that in your life. And we have to understand that. We have an enemy. But Jesus said, In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, be cheerful, I've overcome the world. That's what he said. God's called us all to be overcomers. Just because you get set back doesn't mean you don't keep going after it and you become an overcomer. Stop being a daggone giver-upper. You know, when God's called you to do something, you know God's called you to do it. You can't just quit and give up because it got hard and there's no feelings in it no more. You know, you've got to press through and become victorious. That's why the Bible has a word called overcomer. Y'all have heard all that before. Amen. Go back to Romans 8. Let's go. So the Holy Spirit will lead you into difficulty. And... Hopefully get you out of church and on time. <laughs> get you out of this mess. All right, number five. All right, let's read eight Romans eight verse nineteen through twenty five. This is really good here. It says, uh, "For the earnest expectations of the creation eagerly waits." Everybody say, eagerly waits. "Eagerly waits." For the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it. In hope. Because some of this can be kind of hard just reading it because it's profound in lots of, lots of ways, but it's simple in lots of ways also. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. That sounds, that sounds like a blast. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. Not only that, but we also... Who have the first fruits of the spirit? Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting. Everybody say eagerly waiting. eagerly waiting. For the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what he does not see, we what? Eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Here's this is what I'm trying to tell you. The Holy Spirit will lead you into a life of eager, eagerly waiting, of eager anticipation. Okay? Eager anticipation. In other words, cynicism is not an attribute of the Holy Spirit. Doubt is not an attribute of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a, has a hope. The Holy Spirit has a positive belief about the future. Now, that's the truth. And when if you're being led by the Holy Spirit, He's going to lead you in that. And when you get around people who are cynical, you get around people who are full of doubt, they are not being led by the Holy Spirit. When, we, when, when I'm like that, I am not being led by the Holy Spirit. And you know what? You have permission to admonish me or anybody else when they're like that and let them know, hey, that's not the Spirit. That's just your old carnal man trying to act up. You need to put that thing down. This is what the Bible says. Um, because he, he said it three times, eagerly waiting. First Corinthians thirteen seven. It says, "Love which love is God is love. Love bears all things. Let's say God bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. God never fails." Now that's the attitude of the Spirit of God. He's forever believing. He's forever hoping. He's forever has has an anticipation in his heart that things are not going to stay bad like they are. He believes things are going to change. He believes things are going to be different. And He believes it, and He bears through, and He endures through. And that the Holy Spirit will lead you into that kind of heart attitude. He's not cynical. He's not sarcastic. He's not negative. And negative and cynical and sarcastic people need to be told this because they do a lot of damage to Christians. This is James 5.11. You have heard of the perseverance of Job. Ooh, I've been reading that book lately. It's a tough one. And seeing the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. That's the end intended by the Lord. Mercy and compassion. Um, let me just read this other scripture to you. 1 Thessalonians 5.8 But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet The hope of salvation. The hope of salvation. It's a positive mental outlook on life. Now, not everybody has that naturally. But we're not talking about naturally. We're talking about being led by the Holy Spirit. And if a Christian is led by the Holy Spirit, they are going to have a Spirit-empowered, positive mental outlook about their life and about what's going to happen to them in the future. That's being led by the Spirit. So... Ask yourself the question. What's your mental outlook this morning? About tomorrow? About this afternoon? About right now? What is it? And if it's negative, and if it's cynical, if it's full of doubt, then the answer is this. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and quit being led by your own thoughts. You know, because your own thoughts will lead you astray. They really will. And I'm not talking about being an idiot and not considering things and being wise and all that kind of stuff. The wisest man on earth is the man who takes the thoughts of God into their life. Even when the thoughts of God are completely contrary to whatever things telling you. You understand that? Positive mental life, eagerness. There's an anticipation. I don't anticipate doom, you know, for America. I mean, America could be doomed, but I'm not anticipating it. I'm anticipating redemption. i hold that down real far. <laughs> Number six. Are you all okay? Getting close to the end. Man, this thing's echoing. Help me. It's talking back at me too much. Romans 8. Turn it off. <laughs> you all okay out there? Yeah. Romans 8, uh, verse 27 through 28. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercessions for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good, to those who love God, to those who are called according to His what purpose. The Holy Spirit will lead you into a life of the Holy Spirit will lead you into a life of purpose. Everybody say purpose. purpose. Now I'm telling you this is the truth about the Holy Spirit. He will lead you there. Listen, you were created for something, okay? You were not created, and and there's this groaning, it says. Listen.